0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wapplecast for May 2019. My name is Nick Noel, and I'm an instructional designer with Michigan State University IT. This month, for this intro, I'm going to be filling in for Nate. Don't worry, though, he's going to be on the rest of the podcast. On this episode, we have a presentation from the team from Osteopathic Medicine. Sarah Swearinger from Usability, Accessibility, Research, and Consulting talks about the services of her group. We also have a reminder about your year three plans and how to submit those for self-review. Hope you enjoy, and we'll see you next month. All right, good morning, how's everybody?
1: (laughs) Great. All right. Graduation.
2: Graduation, you made it. One more semester. Way to go. Uh, Welcome to WAPL meeting number 43, May 3rd, 2019. Here's our agenda for today. Special thanks to Tony for getting us the space today and everybody else from osteopathic we're excited to hear a little bit about your digital accessibility program and the work that's been going on in the college. Um, Sarah Waringa from UARC is with us talk a little bit about the UARC services that are happening in their space. Um, I want to talk one more time about IT Next Brooke has a quick update on the report in accessible content form, and then the last thing we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about um, year three plans and submitting your self reviews. So, uh, talk through the instructions on that and answer any questions as they come up. Sound good? Okay. With that, who am I turning the microphone over to to start?
3: Hi, um, I'm Alex Edden. I'm from the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Um, I actually work in the Department of or Division of Medical Education. So I help out with the core curriculum for all the DO students. So kind of as a background, all the students, we have about 300 that go through the program starting in their first year, and they all go basically through the same chunk of courses. So that's helped us kind of have a really good focus on what to to work on in terms of our course material. The challenge is that each of those courses can have up to 30 faculty making content in the courses. Um, So you'll have it ranging from somebody who teaches in multiple courses to somebody who's a clinical faculty member that maybe teaches one lecture in a year so kind of wrangling all of those and making sure it's all accessible has been the challenge that we've been uh, trying to work on just some successful things that we've had Um, we've offered some trainings to faculty we try to offer those multiple times a year Um, dcats helped us with this so they've done some training for us last summer and then john and i have developed a Flip classroom sort of training session. So we give them training materials from WebAIM to actually do an assignment ahead of time. And then we have an hour-long or an hour-and-a-half-long training session where they come in and we go over that assignment and try to, like, answer questions as best as we can because many of these people have been working with Word and PowerPoint for years. So it kind of gives them a chance to learn it on their own and then answer some questions that are more specific to how they work in those in training sessions. Another successful thing that's helped is we've had one faculty member that very um, graciously decided to do a pilot in her course where she, uh, along with some consultation with John and I, did a huge remediation project of all of her course content in the course that she works on. And she's been a really important person in terms of um, working with other faculty and showing them how she's done it from from kind of a faculty perspective and not necessarily from, um, the perspective of um, me as, as staff working on that. So those are kind of the successful things, um, things that we're working on. So because we have so many faculty in courses, we're still trying to improve the way that we're tracking and, and, and inventorying all the material that's out there. So that's something that we're definitely trying to to hone in and, and get a way that, that works with all the different diverse people that we're trying to work with. So any questions about that? Just um, year one and year two students or three and four two? So right now I'm personally focused on years one and two. Oh, oh sorry. Um, so um, you asked, um, are we focused on year one and year two or all four years? So I'm personally focused on just the first two years, but we are trying to take what we're learning in those first two years and apply it. There's some other challenges in the, the years three and four because all of our students are out in hospitals all throughout the state so um that's a different kind of problem that um, we'll we'll be trying to tackle I I have a <laughs> yeah. so anything else that's a good question
4: hi so uh, i have a question about the uh, the homework assignments mm-hmm. from WebAIM. are those do you just kind of pick out something from their site and say hey try do your syllabus or what is that like
3: the training we offer is on word and powerpoint right so um we direct them to, there's a, for Word documents, there's a introduction to all the principles of accessibility. And then it also has a nice breakdown of different versions of Word. So we tell them to read the, the introduction and then the specifics on their version of Word. And then we provide them with a, it's actually a JPEG file so that they don't cheat and take the PDF and convert it to Word. And I asked them to, um, which has happened, and I asked them to basically recreate that and sometimes they'll submit it back to me, and I'll check it ahead of time. Other times, we'll just go over it um, during the session. But it focuses on heading tags, tables, and images, which are the big things and the material we use. Thank you. Yep. Nothing else? I'll hand it over. I don't know if you have anything you would like to talk about, John. Or...
5: So I'm John McDaniel, and I'm from osteopathic medicine as well as IT and so the Division of Medical Education and the Office of Academic Programs, and my focus is on multimedia, and we've been making sure all of our multimedia is closed captioned, both the pre-recorded modules that faculty produce and the live lectures that we keep recreating uh, every year are all closed captioned before they're made available to the students. Once upon a time, the media site live lectures were posted sometimes five minutes after the lecture ended and students were basically DVRing lectures and not attending. Uh, That changed two years ago when suddenly no one got access to them until they were closed captioned uh, which caused the minor uproar amongst the students, but they got used to it. Uh, Suddenly, the byproduct is attendance is way up at the live lecture. Imagine that. Because if you don't attend, chances are you may not get it for up to 48 hours. A lot of the turnaround times are eight hours or less, but when you get into uh, instructors with accents, heavy course material, pharmacology, and micromolecular biology and stuff that is pretty hard to decipher sometimes it takes 48 hours or maybe a few hours more to get it close captioned and back the big thing I'm working on right now is year three and four we have a lot of multimedia uh, in fact we have uh, 1700 minutes of multimedia that we are responsible for in our year three and four courses and those are all scheduled to be made, to be captioned and made available starting this summer. Uh, We've been tracking along with uh, captioning based on a student who came in right at the end of year one of our five year plan who needed the closed captioning for everything. So we've been staying ahead of that person and he's about to go out into year three and so everything in the year three and year four courses will be closed captioned starting this July. Uh, they've been inventoried, uh, just re-inventory to make sure that what is going to be used, reused, uh, what's going to be updated, uh, set a deadline knowing that some content creators have a hard time making deadlines. The deadline is June 1st even though the courses don't really go live until August. Uh, just so I can uh, rein in the stragglers and get their updated content and get it all captioned and in place for the students. Other than that, there is a Institute of Global Health is standing up a totally online master's program. I think it's starting this fall. We've had conversations about accessibility, making documents and multimedia accessible, and I've pointed them at different vendors that are out there because since it is a global health master's program, they may need to have something other than English closed captions. Uh, There's a big uh, interface at the moment with uh, Egypt, and that's where a, a big footprint for this program is, and so that's looming out there, that'll be something new. And other than that, semester's ending, but unless you're an instructor, it really doesn't matter, does it? (laughs) Awesome, thanks, John. Any questions?
1: Do you use a service like Rev.com for your captions, or do you have someone on staff who does that?
5: We initially started with uh, CELO24, We did a, well, initially we did REV because we had a short time period to get ready for this incoming student. And so that first summer, our students start in June. We, that semester one, we used REV while we were working with purchasing to go through the whole process of identifying someone who potentially could interface with the media site system and make files go from us to them and back automatically without having to do uploading and all this other stuff we stuck with them through fall of 17 they couldn't meet the terms of the contract meaning 85 percent of the time they were had stuff back in 48 hours or less and their accuracy was not meeting the 99.9 percent it was supposed to be So we terminated that contract and went to Rev. A little bit more touching involved, but it's cheaper. And they've been great. Uh, They did have a a kind of a bottleneck at the beginning of fall semester, um, probably because they had turnover or or they had more clients. I don't know. But we've been using Rev ever since. They've been great Uh, on rare occasions. We will do them ourselves. Like I, this morning, I had a, I have a two-and-a-half-minute thing on how to add an instructor to your course in iClicker Cloud. And so I just did the machine captioning. Uh, there were three words that were wrong, and I had to put in all the capitalization and punctuation. Other than that, it was easy peasy, and I saved the college $2.30. <laughs> 50 cents, yeah, because it was half a minute, yeah. So. Awesome. Thanks, John.
2: Yeah, in terms of turning captioning into a program and, and uh, captioning the, all the content, John's done more volume than anyone else I know on campus. So if you have questions, buy him a coffee, hang out. Like if that's something you want to set up, I'm sure he'd be willing to, uh, to chat about it and, and provide some feedback on that. So thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, moving ahead, Sarah Sweringa.
4: Good morning. I'm Sarah Sweringa, Director of Usability, Accessibility, Research, and Consulting, or UARC, as we're more affectionately known, and Graham Pierce is our Assistant Director. I just wanted to I sent out an email maybe a week or two back um, just letting all of you know that uh, we have resources available within UARC to assist you with uh, doing some independent checking, either at a high level or at a more in-depth level. We offer this as a fee for service, but it's uh, it's available to all of you. We've worked with many departments around campus, along with external you know, libraries and, yeah, MSUIT, but also departments, and on particular grant projects or whatever, because uh, all of these things need to be accessible. So we've had the opportunity to work on Many kinds of materials for corporate clients, you know, multi, you know, multinational Fortune 500s to government, federal, state, local, township, yeah. So, and also nonprofits. So we kind of run the gamut. So we we're within university outreach and engagement. So we're we are externally focused, but we also turn our attentions and are very supportive of all the initiatives internally to make accessible course materials. So we are available for consulting, you know, as you're finishing up your third year or thinking about what are we going to do in our fourth year. Graham, as always, we'll have brochures and uh, we've got our braille uh, alphabet thing, which is kind of popular as a, you know, something to uh, to hand out. So do you have any questions? If not, we are available for follow-up. U-ark.msu.edu. Sorry, yes. UARC at MSU.edu is our website. We have a contact form there as well as uh, information about our backgrounds and the types of work we've done, uh, projects, clients, etc. cetera.
2: Thank you. I highly recommend UARC Services. Uh, been a great partner for us over the last few years. And the, the MSU evaluation protocol that we recommend was something we purchased from UARC. So especially as you look ahead to, to year four and are thinking ahead for plans, I encourage you to reach out. All right, moving ahead with the agenda today. One other thing that I want to mention IT Next uh, registration closes on Monday the 13th. So we encourage you, at just by show of hands, how many have signed up or are planning on coming? Fantastic, awesome. There are still spots available. The, um, the registration, sorry. So I went to register and it said it was full. Really? Yeah. So maybe there aren't still spots available? I will. As of yesterday, there were still. Many spots. So let me let me double check on that. Okay. I know that um, the reception after is waitlisted, but currently the, well, as of yesterday, the. Okay. Both, so we waitlisted. Oh, okay. So maybe if you
0: still need to register,
4: don't go to the reception.
2: (laughs) Yes, uh, don't don't select that option at this point. But there's still uh, space available at the actual afternoon, which is going to be on Friday, or excuse me, Thursday, May 16th, from one to four o'clock. Uh, We're going to be looking at accessibility here locally at MSU, past, present, and future. So really, really excited about that. And I should have had a slide in here for Brooke, so I'm going to hand it over to Brooke for a moment to talk about the inaccessible content form.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Brooke. If you were here last month, then this is kind of just a reminder. Um, But if you weren't, last month I talked about our inaccessible content report form. Um, It's located on our homepage of webaccess.msu.edu. It's in our side navigation. It's just called Report a Problem. If you have a faculty or staff or even yourself who maybe have a concern or a question about inaccessible content, whether it has to do with a course or a website, we just encourage you to use that form. Um, It gets sent right to us through email and we are able to designate that work for either myself or Bender or Jim White, depending on what the issue is. However, last, last month when we talked about this, we got a lot of really good requests um, from faculty and staff with good questions in their courses regarding inaccessible or how to make their content accessible. We also got like really good requests related to websites that, or other issues that we might have missed. So once again, I just wanna encourage you to use that form because it's been a really good uh, resource for us for anything that we may have missed.
2: Awesome, thanks Brooke. Any questions about the inaccessible content report form? Okay, so now uh, I'd like to spend a little bit of time uh, to talk about submitting your annual, uh, third annual self-review. Actually I'm gonna go uh, just straight to the the browser to kind of show this. There will be a message going out to the web access list today from um, Aislin Sap, our ADA coordinator and myself, to just provide an update on that this is all happening and when the due dates are The good news is this should feel very familiar if you participated in the annual self-review last year. In fact, it should feel identical to the the self-review from last year. So I'm going to just spend a few minutes walking through what the self-review is intended for and what sort of things you should start to think about. The bulk of the information is going to be available, is available now on Web Access. If you have your mobile devices or laptops, you can follow along there if you'd like. If you just go to webaccess.msu.edu. And then uh, under policy and guidelines, look for the annual self-review page. At the start of the page, it provides an overview with some some language about our commitment to providing um, accessible experiences to everyone. And uh, the opening statement says that Michigan State University were committed to providing accessible experiences to persons with disabilities. To continue in this commitment since 2016, the university has requested that each uh, major administrative unit um, submits an annual self-review to measure improvements in their accessibility of programs, services, and activities within their digital accessibility program. I'm going to scroll down a little bit. The, the point of these are to allow us to begin as an institution to self-assess our institutional progress and offer you an opportunity to report changes in terms of resource commitments, strategies, those sorts of things. So um, it's uh, if you remember back, we all submitted five-year plans for each of our colleges. These annual self-reviews are intended for you to have an opportunity to report changes to those five-year plans over time. Again, those we, we talked about those as plans, not promises. Things change over time. Technology, uh, the students that are in your program or faculty or staff, um, there could be many number of different things, right? So this allows you the chance to kind of provide updates uh, on on the progress that that you're seeing within your unit. Um, Just as a reminder too, we would expect to see submissions at the MAU level, not necessarily the department level. So it's okay if within your unit, you want to have those conversations and do those more granularly. But in terms of a final submission back in for this process here, we'd like you to submit one per uh, MAU. So in terms of the action needed, the deadline is the same as last year. By June 30th, 2019, please update uh, and send your year three digital accessibility self-evaluation. And then the other thing we're asking for is for you to update who represents um, your MAU in terms of your web accessibility policy liaison. That can change over time. One of the things that we're looking for specifically is that each college and department name a lead Uh, liaison for your college or department so that's another thing that's really helpful to us as well Um, in terms of updating your liaison just email us at webaccess at msu.edu Jim takes care of those and makes sure they're added to the liaison list which is also on this uh, website as well. One of the things that we're recommending for this year that you would have gotten in the feedback from last year as well it's the same bit of feedback that is these liaisons we'd like you to have multiple representatives uh, as liaisons for your MAU. And so uh, recommendations for that is have someone from kind of the academic space, whether it's a faculty or academic specialist, have someone from the communications office within your college. Um, have a web developer or IT staff and then also have someone who uh, may be a leader or administrator within your college or department. Having those different perspectives means that you're gonna have a a more holistic approach to your uh, self-review, and so we think that's really, really important. Again, each uh, MAU needs to identify a lead liaison if you haven't already, and one thing I'll show real quick, um, the liaison page is under help and resources, and we're indicating the lead liaison by marking them with an asterisk, at uh, before the start of their name. So that way you know who is listed as the lead liaison. If there is no asterisk, you probably don't have one identified yet. Or you may be the only one. You might be that too. Okay. So scrolling down a little bit, how to submit your year three accessibility self-review. Just as last year, you can download a copy of the form in advance to review with the other liaisons or administrators, faculty, whoever you'd like to share that with in advance. And so to do that, you'll click on uh, the Year 3 Digital Accessibility Compliance Self-Review sheet. And what it's going to do, I have it down in my footer already, this is going to download the form. This is just a Word version. It's not the version you submit. Again, it's just to circulate and get a sense for the questions that are going to be asked. This is going to look 100% identical with the exception of one question. Does anybody have a guess which question that is? (laughs) We have pulled, and the the cheat sheet's up at the top, we've pulled the question about training communication in terms of percentage of staff that have been trained uh, for web accessibility within your unit. That's a question we just removed this year. Um, We had a lot of really um, helpful feedback related to that, and um, that was a decision that the Accessibility Review Committee decided to remove for this year. So otherwise, everything else is going to look identical. The sections represented are still training and communications, courses, and educational offerings websites and web applications, procured systems and content, uh, and then at the very end, um, it asks you to describe any allocations and investments that you're making in terms of your program, any future needs that you see as a need. That's really, I'll I'll emphasize this, this is really, really helpful to us in understanding if we can hear, uh, hey, it would be helpful to have this, it would be helpful to have this. If we keep hearing that same thing, that's something we can advocate for centrally to provide as a resource. And then the last question is around deprioritized systems and content. Again, this is getting to the point where um, things can change, right over time. And you may decide that there's something that's a higher priority for you to work on uh, in the next year. That's something we'd like to hear about uh, in that last section. So again, that's just for circulation and conversation purposes within your college, in terms of actually submitting the annual self-review, you'll do that via Qualtrics just like last year. When you click on the form, it will open a year three accessibility uh, compliance self-review, and it should look identical to the Word version that you've downloaded. Um, you can answer it and, uh, and kind of go through it that way. I've heard from a few MAUs that it was helpful to, to kind of fill it out in the Word version in advance, and then they could move the content and respond uh, in, the, in the final version that gets submitted here through Qualtrics. One of the other things that we got really, really great feedback about um, during our retrospectives in early 2019 uh, through this group actually was to get some feedback on having additional information about what is it you're reviewing specifically when you submit these plans and uh, what kind of standards or rubrics are you using for that review. So we wanted to provide more clarity about what that looked like and this time we're putting it on our website so you can review in advance. So first of all, what areas are we actually looking at? Well, these are the main sections of the self-review itself. And so these sections are culture, training, web, courses, and procurement. These are the five core digital accessibility benchmark areas that we're looking at. Um, So when we review your your plans, this is is the lens that we're looking looking at them through. And I'd like to just kind of go through each of these briefly. Under culture, what we mean by that is that MSU recognizes the right of individuals with disabilities and it's committed to providing equal access to to the university mission. And so one of the things we'd like to see um, is connection from uh, your own local mission and vision uh, in how you're creating a a culture of access and inclusion in in your own college. The second area is training and this is defined as MSU is committed to making training available on creating and providing accessible digital content and services with reasonable accommodation in mind. These resources are designed to provide employees with tools and new skills to make their content more accessible. So again this ongoing development whether it's faculty, staff, or even the students that work in your units we want to hear about what kind of training you're providing in terms of digital access and inclusion. The third area is web and this is defined as, MSU seeks to provide accessible digital experiences. Websites are oftentimes the way that individuals gain access to university programs and services and activities as well. So keeping in mind, uh, I've, I've talked about this in terms of your web presence is your digital front door, right? In a lot of ways, this is the first place that students are going to come to to interact with your programs and services. And making sure that it's a place that they can Uh, interact with is really, really important. In terms of courses, this is the fourth fourth benchmark area, MSU seeks to proactively implement universally designed accessible digital experiences, such as captioned videos, and to understand their obligations related to disability and reasonable accommodation policy. So we're looking for um, the work that you're doing in terms of making your courses more accessible if that applies to your unit. And in the last section, procurement, those at MSU involved in purchasing electronic information technology called EIT for the university should consider the accessibility of such products and services. Units should understand the impact that EIT and purchasing have on decision making on uh, individuals with disabilities in, outside, inside and outside the institution. Um, that's a really, really important thing to, to make a distinction on. Um, and we should uh, partner with university services when purchasing digital content when possible. Uh, We did add a link uh, to the university services web uh, page. You may recall uh, late last year, Kristen Good came and visited and talked about the refresh to the process. And the change to the electronic EIT uh, purchase process is that security, accessibility, PCI, HIPAA, FERPA, all the things that are important for us to check to protect our students, faculty, and staff, those all get checked simultaneously now at the same time. And the way you kick off that process is to fill out something that they call the EIT Readiness Worksheet. So more information is available on what that worksheet is, but it's gathering the information once, which was uh, feedback we were getting a lot throughout the process. Hey. You you asked me for this and then this person asked me for the same thing and then this person asked me for that that's frustrating. We get that. So this is an attempt by purchasing to align that process and uh, and streamline it a little bit.
3: And there are several versions of that worksheet too. PDF,
5: I think there's a Qualtrics and there's a Word.
2: Correct. Yeah, so Jim just mentioned there are three uh three different versions of that. Yeah, a quick
6: question on that. Um so I was just wondering Um, As far as, like, third-party services, third-party softwares, for example, recently an instructor approached me about using Padlet. So I know Mm -hmm. that's, like, that's on the MSU website is, like, a tool that a lot of people, so I'm assuming is already being used here. Is there, like, a list of things that have already been approved for accessibility and we can locate that easily so we can steer faculty towards those tools rather than go through the process um, each time? Yeah, so that's something, something we don't have right
2: now, but that's something we've heard some feedback on. So, um, something we, we're having conversations about to put together for sure. Any other questions on the five core benchmark areas before I move on to the rubrics? Yeah, Sarah.
4: I am still pretty curious about how the other liaisons are handling the training component are you basically saying here's the website and here you can sign up for DQ classes or is it or are you having is it more structured organizationally how is this being handled I could really use some insight in that for a very large unit
2: can I say one thing really fast so in terms of IT we're going to be talking about that at IT next on the 16th so that's something we're looking at ahead but
4: thank you
7: um, so in the libraries, we have um, an accessibility group that identifies training priorities. And we especially try to reach out to staff about what they need or what they want. But if we don't get a ton of those requests, we also just rely on the expertise within our accessibility group. We um, provide some of our own trainings. We outsource trainings to different campus accessibility stakeholders, and we also do a combination of webinars and offerings through library associations that are having um, accessibility, you know, webinars and stuff like that. And I'll let Kelly chime in. Everything she said is absolutely true, but also in the web services unit, um, I have just pointed people to the DQ and I have one, my main developer signed up for like the entire swath of training.
4: Yes. Yeah, we've uh we've kind of promoted the, you know, Hey there's DQ training out there and we've had uh Decat came and gave a couple trainings a year ago on on uh, Word and uh PDF. You know, the the web development side is actually really the easier side to tackle because there's a few of them typically as opposed to the hundreds of people creating content as we speak.
7: One more thing to add, um that the libraries is doing that might be applicable to a lot of you who have student accessibility employees or interns, is we really try to rely on our students to provide some staff training. It's a good opportunity for them to really increase their skills in a specific accessibility area, and then great
4: presentation opportunities and practice for them as well. So do you have a a training strategy that others might be able to use to model from? That's what I was hoping we might find on web access by the end of year three here. So by
7: strategy do you mean some kind of written document that yeah. outlines how we're going to No, like I said those um those decisions are made uh primarily verbally in our library accessibility working group. We have some minutes from those meetings, but yeah. it's not um and of course we outline kind of our plan for training and our 5-year plan and okay. reviews, but
4: okay. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in kind of a, you know, is have has any have any of the other liaisons or their teams um done some packaging or tracking like hey take this for the overall awareness and then take this and then take that and you'll get a badge and or you know something fun for taking on this extra work or something you can put on your your yearly uh, productivity when you report to your managers
2: I was just making eye contact with Heidi because she mentioned Stephen Thomas. That might be a, a cool future conversation because Stephen, I know, has done uh, some great work in NatSci, and uh, I don't know. I don't want to put you on the spot, um, Jesse. Is that something you've worked with Stephen on in NatSci? Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah.
8: So Jerry from Human Resources. One of the things we identified is a lot of communications from our own staff goes through our communications team, in which case most of that stuff was assessed. Although what happens sometimes is there's a presentation at a meeting, the PowerPoint is provided, it's sent out as a PDF and not necessarily mediated. The notes kind of provide an accessible alternative, but that's not really sufficient in my mind. And so what we're heading towards is our own in-house training where anybody on our staff or anyone from the university is communicating through HR, any kind of HR medium. We're, um, we'll be providing the training to them how to make their, their PowerPoints, their Word. Even Excel spreadsheets have been going out through our department um, and do that in-house training, and it's going to be across all the different media we use for all the different elements we care about um, that we typically see, tables, headings, lists, those kinds of things, links. Um, it, it kind of hopefully becoming a requirement that if anyone's communicating outside the walls of the Nisbet building, they will have this training and they'll be providing that stuff to our communications staff ready to go. So there'll be less work for the communications staff to work with that or um, just be able to rely more on those materials and having to rewrite everything in note format. Um, that's the next step. We're not there yet, but we are building the courses now.
2: Yeah. I want to make sure we get um, through the next section. Um, so I'm going to keep moving forward. Um, The next section is called targets for progress, and this is where the rubrics are identified. I'm going to blow this up just a little bit. And again, these are on web access um, right now under the annual self-review page if you want to look them up. Um, Last year, again, if you participated in the annual self-review for year two, um, you would have gotten feedback um, related to these targets for progress as well and this, this year we wanted to identify them and document them on web access so they were more clear and he had a good sense for what does it mean when we say that um, uh, we basically give a grade to a certain section of your plan and we say this is above expectations or this is meeting expectations or below expectations. This is what we mean by that. So um, I want to go through these. There's basically three different levels like I just articulated. Um, Uh, Again, you're going to get a rating in each of the baseline areas that we talked about before, so courses, web, procurement, so on and so forth. Um, These rubrics apply to every single baseline area. So the first um, section uh, rubric that we'll look at are self-reviewed baseline areas that are considered exceptional fall into these categories and will look like this. The values of access and inclusion are aligned with your MAU's mission and vision with clear s- steps that support this claim. Um, there is a clear prioritization methodology that's stated and established with clear steps to show how progress is being measured. It's clear, And, and there is clear and ongoing reporting happening. Um, Future intent and direction are outlined with internal resources to support the effort from multiple roles and perspectives. Again, that's what we were talking about with having multiple liaisons at the table from different perspectives is going to be really, really helpful. Um, Administrative, communications, academic, web developer, and IT. That's what we're looking for. Um, understands the impacts of purchasing on in individuals with disabilities and partners with university services when purchasing digital content when possible. Um, there may be some ex, uh, exceptions to that, uh, depending on whether you have your own purchasing group in your, in your college, but um, that's kind of the gist of that. Proactively reviews products for accessibility and provides EEAPs um, as needed. EEAAPs, is anybody familiar with the, the term? Okay, so we should define that better on our documentation. We'll do that. Um, EEAAPs are equally effective alternative access plans. Um, And we love our acronyms, don't we? So that's why we put that there. Uh, Essentially, we know that when you buy a a product, it may not be perfectly accessible. In the majority of cases, this happens a lot, right? So um, having a plan of action to say, um, if we get an accommodation, this is how we plan to handle it um, and provide alternative access for that service or software, um, that's something that we'd like you to document as you purchase. And if you go through the central purchasing process, that's something that um, they're recommending as well. So you may have seen that through that method as well. And then the last one here is um, reviewing and validating top priority digital experiences for accessibility on a regular cadence. And I use that word digital experiences because it could be web-based uh, websites, it could be mobile experiences, it could be learning experiences that look a number of different ways. Um, so we're defining that fairly broadly, but we're The things that you say are top priority, we're looking for you uh, to, on a cadence of at least 90 days, using a standard uh, review methodology like the MSU evaluation protocol that was provided by UARC. Um, It may not have to be that, but some kind of standard process um, that you're documenting and showing, um, here's the standards by which we're evaluating. I'm going to go to the next category for the rubric for self-reviews that meet expectations. Um, The values of access and inclusion are somewhat aligned with the MAU mission and vision, but may not be totally clear. Um, The second one, using prioritization to direct resources, but the methodology for prioritization may not be documented or completely clear. Um, But there are uh, attempts being made to show how progress is measured and or some reporting is happening. The future intent is becoming clear. AND OR INTERNAL RESOURCES ARE ALLOCATED TO SUPPORT DIGITAL ACCESSIBILITY PROGRAM EFFORTS. Uh, UNDERSTANDS THE IMPACTS OF PURCHASING ON INDIVIDUALS WITH DISABILITIES AND PARTNERS WITH UNIVERSITY SERVICES WHEN PURCHASING DIGITAL CONTENT WHEN POSSIBLE. AND THEN THE LAST ONE HERE, um, REVIEWS TOP PRIORITY DIGITAL EXPERIENCES FOR ACCESSIBILITY BY REQUEST AND OR ATTEMPTS TO COMPLETE REVIEWS ON A REGULAR CADENCE MAKING ATTEMPTS TO USE STANDARD REVIEW AND VALIDATION PROCESSES. AND THEN GOING DOWN. This is the rubric for self-review benchmark areas that we think need improvement. Um, The first is there's no statement on accessibility related to mission or vision. Um, There's no priority method defined. There's little or no progress being measured and progress is not being reported. Um, The future intent of the MAU as it relates to access and inclusion is unclear. The MAU is not providing enough internal resources to support the accessibility effort. Does not typically consider the impacts of electronic and information technology purchasing on decision making uh, and decision making on individuals with disabilities and then the last one is does not typically review digital experiences that ensure that they are to ensure that they are accessible so hopefully that's helpful um, especially since we'll be using these rubrics um, in the evaluation process again this year just like we did last year. Um, I should say that um, these uh, it will become more clear when the memo comes out later today uh, from Aislin and I, but these uh, these benchmark areas as well as the rubrics were vetted um, and approved by Aislin. Um, so these are things that she thought were important. We've done some tweaking on them based on some of the feedback from last year um, and uh, hopefully it, it provides a little bit more clarity this, this year. So. Um, we do have a few minutes left. That was kind of uh, what I wanted to get through, and I also wanted to leave some time at the end for questions related to the process, related to benchmarks, targets, those sorts of things. Anything uh, come to mind or things you'd like to discuss? Just to add a
3: tiny bit more clarity to uh, what Nate said, is nobody's going to fall every bullet in one of these things. It's, you know, we're kind of kind of weighed it on the preponderance of what group you're in um it's It's not like somebody's typically going to fall off the off the face of the earth and have none of the stuff that falls into the needs improvement. They may have some good stuff that falls into the middle category um so we're kind of you know you're going to get kind of based on the preponderance of your evidence, not just whether you fall exactly into one category or not so and we'll
2: definitely be providing feedback just like we did last year based on the rating so it can provide some clarity and I know I took uh, over a half dozen different individual meetings with MAUs. that had questions after the fact too. So if if you know, once the rating comes through, if there are questions, we can set up a time to discuss. Um, any other questions about the process? When are they due? June thirty. June 30. Awesome. Okay. If it is a Sunday. Oh, I was
6: trying to be consistent. Uh, yeah. Different question not sure. related. Sure. Yeah. All right. So this is not related to that um, process. Process, but um, I just want to throw it out to the group and see if anybody's had experience with um, content being created by students. So if students are creating videos, if students are creating podcasts, those types of things, what are the requirements? Um, I mean, we've we've encouraged faculty to. Teach students about accessibility and about the ability to, you know, auto caption and, and that kind of stuff when it's, when it's very easy for them just to hit the auto caption button. Um, but I guess I just want to see if anybody else has run into that and what they've done.
2: We make a lot of, well, intermittently we make. Um, patient videos, so like procedures or what to do, or if you haven't been here before. And what we do is we manipulate the captions, in y- or we they manipulate the captions in YouTube because they're almost always on one of the Division YouTube channels. And that seems to have worked for now, but I have a feeling that's not going to be the case uh, in the next year. Um, but that's what we've done for now, and it's, it's seemed to work, but anyone else?
0: Um, so not direct experience, but I do know that, uh, Kate Sanka in Cal, um, is heading up kind of her, uh, an organization that is, um, focused on not, not just teaching accessibly, but teaching the concepts of accessibility into all across curriculums and stuff. So maybe useful to either contact her or have her come in and talk about what she, uh, is advocating for and what she's seen.
2: All right. Well, if there are no other questions, thanks for coming out, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next month.